morning, Sunrise. Good morning, Facebook. We're here to praise Jesus. It's God's grace that's brought us here today. And so let's stand and give him our praise and worship. intention to scare you this morning when I first started. Um, I'm Brent. I'm one of the pastors on staff here at Sunrise, and I'm glad to see you all came out on this beautiful morning. Um, we're doing our part to support our democracy because the clerk needed a rendezvous center to get ready for the voting on Tuesday, so that's why we're in here this morning. Um, first thing, most important thing, restrooms are in the 4-H building. These restrooms were locked this morning when we got there, and so we opened the north door of the 4-H building. So if you need to use the restroom, that's where you can go. So we're starting to get ramped up into the fall. 
trying to get into some kind of a schedule and of what we're going to do and how we can do it. And so next week, we're going to be back in a rendezvous center. We're going to have a new to sunrise gathering. If you're new with us, if you want to learn more about the church and about ministry opportunities and all those things, would you get a hold of one of the staff members in the next two or three days so we can get reservations for food? And we'll meet in the brand room right after the morning service. And then want to kind of put it on your radar as well. On the 30th and every fifth Sunday after that, we're going to try something new. We're going to call the fifth Sundays We Are One Sundays. And we're going to just do things to kind of help build community and get to know each other and just fellowship in a little less formal type of setting. And so we're looking forward to that. It'll be a work in progress, but we'll, hopefully that'll be something that we uh, begin to look forward to. Um, this morning I thought it would be appropriate if we just took a few moments as we began and, uh, and just prayed for our teachers and students as they go back to school over these next few weeks. Um, it's a new world that they're going into and a new reality, and so I just thought it would be good as a church if we took a few moments and, and prayed together for them. So let's do that. Father in heaven, we're grateful for the beauty of this day and just the opportunity to gather together in the beauty of your creation um, in this facility that you've allowed us to use. Father, we thank you for the freedoms that we enjoy in this country that, that we so often take for granted. And Lord, we just would lift up our teachers as well as the students as they go back to school over these next few days. Uh, there's just lots of changes, a lot of uncertainties. There's a spirit of fear in, in so many places. And, and I just pray that, that you would allow uh, those things to come together so that it could be a comfortable place for the students to learn, uh, that the teachers would be able to, to teach and really do that which they enjoy. Uh, pray for those teachers that are believers, that you would just give them a, a place of witness and a, and a voice within the teaching community. And uh, Father, as a community as a whole, may we be supportive of, of, the, of the school district and, and what they're trying to do to, to maintain a safe place as well as take care of our kids. And so we just commit that to you and ask that you would be in all the details of that, provide safety, that, that we could get back to, to being together and gathering together and the kids being with their friends once again. We know that that's so much a part of our development. And, and so we just pray that you would bring that about. And we ask these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. Stark times we're living in and we just need to pick ourselves up and know that as Christ's ones, it's our jobs to take care of everybody and be here for everybody. So if you guys like to stand, we'll continue to worship. I woke up in darkness Surrounded by silence So where Where have I gone? I woke to reality Losing its grip on me Oh where Where have I gone? Cause I can see the light Before I see the sunrise You called and you shouted Broke through my death Breathe. 
Father in heaven, we are so blessed to have the privilege to gather and worship this morning, to worship our God and Creator. And God, it just reminds me of what your word tells us where one or two are gathered in your name, that you are present there as well. And Father, it's, it's not about the building today, it's about the body of Christ. It's about the believers that come out to worship. And for those that are watching online, God, we are, we are grateful that, that, we can, that we have the privilege and the honor to do this. And, and God, at this time in, in the lives where we're at, we ask for your protection for this freedom. Lord, as Brent comes this morning to teach, I just pray that our hearts and our minds will be open. Um, help us to be teachable. And God, just use Brent in a mighty way to minister the gospel this morning. And I pray that lives will be changed today for your glory. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. All right, so this morning we're going to pick up where we left off. Last week we, we started into a new series called Devoted. And we're looking at the four things that were a part of the early church, that, those things that, that God really used and honored to, to give the church the, the power and influence that they had in the society in which they lived. The best part of these four things is that the end result, Scripture tells us, is that they enjoyed the favor of all the people, and the Lord added daily to their number those who were being saved. And so I'm sure that those are both things that we would love to see God doing in, in our community, uh, within our church, and to those that we have influence with on a daily basis. A couple scriptures this morning I want to start out by reading. Uh, one is the one that we looked at last week, and then we're going to look at a similar passage in chapter 4 of the book of Acts. First one, Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47. It said, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the, the apostles. All the believers were together, and they had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. And then a companion passage over in chapter 4, verses 32 through 35. All the believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of their possessions were, was their own, but they shared everything they had. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And God's grace was so powerfully at work in them all that there were no needy persons among them. From time to time, those who owned land or houses sold them and brought the money from the sales and put it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to anyone who had need. Let's pray together. Father, we ask for these moments ahead that the Holy Spirit would be our teacher, that the Holy Spirit would take these words from your word, and they would just impact each of our hearts. We pray that we'd be teachable and open. We pray that we'd be willing and, to hear from you and that, Father, we would act in obedience with what the Spirit tells us ought to be our response to your word today. So we commit the moments to you in the name of Jesus. Amen. So the first thing we want to look at, as we did last week, and we, we won't spend as much time there, but what does the word devoted mean? 
in the language and culture of the day. If you recall, we talked about last week that that, that word is actually about four, a, a compilation of four different words in the English language. The first one is forefront. It's the center of focus. It's the thing that we see most often when we look out. The second word is steadfast. It's immovable. It doesn't change. It's always there. It's just going to be a part of our lives. The third thing is continually. The third word that's part of being devoted. Continually. And that speaks to the duration of the activity as well as the frequency of the activity. And the last thing is persevere. That throughout difficulties, in and out, no matter what comes, good times, hard times, that the activity continues on. It was funny this, I guess it was just the last couple days, as I was driving around and, and I had to run a lot of errands in which it was just a little short trip between here and there. And I have a seatbelt buzzer in my car. And as I irritatingly got tired of that buzzing at me every time I got in the car and sat down, it occurred to me that the seatbelt buzzer in our vehicles is a perfect example of what devoted is. Perfect example. Forefront. When you get in your vehicle and there's weight in the seat and the vehicle is moving, it has one purpose, and that is to tell you to get your seatbelt on. That's all it does. That's all it cares about is that you get your seatbelt buckled. It's steadfast. doesn't matter how long you ignore it. It's going to continue to go on and on and on and on. Not going to change. Duration and frequency. It's going to buzz a little bit, then buzz a little more, then buzz a little more. going to keep buzzing until there's a response from you. And finally, persevere. It perseveres. It continues to buzz. It continues to make noise. It continues to irritate you until it gets the proper response. So every time your seatbelt buzzer goes off... Remember, devoted. That's the principle. All those things are evident in, in that little irritating buzzer in our car. It's in the forefront of our focus. And I, and I laughed at how many times. It doesn't matter if I need to be shifting gears or I need, I'm going up a hill. I need to be... It's going off. It's going off. That's all that it's devoted to do. So that's a good way for us to remember what devoted means. Last week we talked about the church being devoted to the apostles' teaching and, and a, um, a commitment to the Word of God. This week we're going to take the second part of that, of that sentence, and it says that they were devoted to fellowship. It's interesting as you look at different versions of the Bible, in the New International Version, which I use, it says they were devoted to fellowship. If you look in the English Standard Version, which a lot of the Berean churches use, it says they were devoted to the fellowship. And I like the, 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 the dual focus of that because fellowship seems to be more a picture of individual uh, fellowship and communion with, between each other. And the fellowship seems to talk more about the body as a whole, the church as a whole, the community of believers. So fellowship or the fellowship, we're going to look at both of those things this morning. So what's the definition? In the culture of the day, the root word that fellowship comes from is the word common. Those things that are held in common. Other words, uh, shared, associate, partner, communion, a deep, intimate relationship. Those are all words in, in our language that correspond with what it means to be in fellowship or being part of the fellowship. 
When we think of the word communion, I think that's probably the best word in our English language to, to go along with what fellowship means to the early church. And that's a celebration of that which we hold in common. When we partake in communion together as a body of Christ, we're celebrating communion, relationship, intimacy with Jesus Christ and what he did, with us, or did for us when he died on the cross. And so they were devoted to fellowship. They were devoted to sharing and being and talking and communicating about those things that they held in common. So let's look at how that played out, both within the church and also within the individual members. How did their fellowship start? Chapter 4, verse 32. There's a phrase I want to draw your attention to again as we read it in our passage. It said, all the believers were one in heart and mind. So that was the center of their fellowship. They had in common the grace, the manifold grace of God. The fact that Jesus had died and rose from the grave, they had that as their common bound. And that's what drew them together. That's what held them together. That's what made them a fellowship. It was the overriding reason that all this occurred within the community. Their purpose and their mission was exactly the same. And that was to proclaim Christ and to live for Him. Very similar to the mission statement that we have for Sunrise Church. So how did they do that? I see two things in the text this morning about how they enjoyed fellowship with each other. The first thing we see is that they were together. They were together. They met together. The first time that we see them meeting together was on the day of Pentecost. And it said that, that they were all gathered together. And, and it, all the believers at that time were all in one place. And so they were gathered as a whole, as a community of faith. Then we see in chapter four and or chapter two and, and verse forty-six that they gathered in the temple courts, in the common meeting areas that were common within the Jewish society, where people could see them meeting, and yet they could go off to a place by themselves. They didn't meet in a facility that was that was only theirs to use, but rather they met out in public so that people could see them. Uh, chapter three, verse one tells us the same thing that Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer, so they were that 's where they went to meet together in public was the temple. Another place they met in chapter five we 're told is a place called solomon 's colonnade, which is another word for porch. It was a wall and a place that was off to the side of the temple. It was part of Solomon's temple, that he, that, uh, a wall that he built there to, to help add stability to the unstable ground on which the, table was, the temple was built. It says, The apostles performed many signs and wonders among the people, and all the believers used to meet together in Solomon's colonnade. No one else dared join them, even though they were highly regarded by the people. So they met together in these public places. And I want you to, to, to recognize how quickly the church grew. We're told in chapter 1, verse 15, that when they were all met together for the first time after Jesus had ascended into heaven and before the Holy Spirit was given on the day of Pentecost, there were 120, 120 believers. So we know there was 12 apostles and then all the other people, I assume, that, that Jesus had healed and Jesus had ministered to and, and had seen him after he was rose from the dead, 120 Chapter 2, verse 41, at the end of Peter's preaching on the day of Pentecost, in which he talked about the Old Testament in comparison to what Jesus did, and the Old Testament David in comparison to what Jesus did, we're told that at the end of that message, there were 3,000 people that got saved. And so this little church that started with 120 now was multiplied by 25, 
and there was 3,000. So it was growing quickly. We're told in chapter 2, verse 47, that we just read this morning, that there were daily additions. So the number was growing every single day. In chapter 4, verse 4, we're told that at that time, there were 5,000 men that had come to Christ. 5,000 men. And so if you figure that most of those men were married, maybe had a kid or two, 15 to 20,000 would be the number that would relate to 5,000 men. So there was this rapid escalation of the message going forth and people coming to know Christ. And, and that itself became a challenge for the early church. Because remember, they were under the control of the Roman Empire. And 120 Jews being together in one place and the Holy Spirit falling upon them, that was manageable in the Roman mindset. But when you have 3,000 Jews, now Christians, gathered together, that would draw the attention of the Roman legions and the Roman military because that could signal a problem. And then when that number grows to 5,000 and to 10,000 and to 20,000, all of a sudden they could no longer meet together. There was not a facility short of the Colosseum itself that they could gather everybody together. And so their meeting together took on a secondary form, a way that they could meet and continue to have fellowship and continue to share those things that they had in common. That was that they met in private. They met in homes. They met in private places where they could be together. Chapter 2, verse 46, we saw an illustration of that. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts, smaller groups that could meet that way. And then they broke bread in their homes and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts. And so the two ways that we see the early church meeting together was in public places where they could gather and they could just have informal conversation and they could encourage one another. They could hear the Old Testament scriptures, which now had new meaning and fulfillment in what Jesus had done on the cross. And we also see that they met together in homes. They shared hospitality together in smaller groups. They could do that in privacy, outside of the notice of the Roman Empire and the Roman military. They enjoyed being together. They bonded. They shared the common bond that they had in Jesus Christ. And that's the first thing that we see what it means that they were devoted to fellowship or the fellowship. They met together in public whenever they could. They were committed to meeting together in smaller groups where they could encourage each other and, and really get into doing life together. The second thing that we see in that verse, chapter 2, verse 44, is that they shared everything in common. So that all the believers were together and they had everything in common. Now when we look at that verse, the, our initial response is it's talking about finances. I don't believe it's just finances. I believe that the church shared with each other everything that they had, whether it was influence or it was finances or it was physically doing something for another brother or sister Christ, they shared what they had in common. They did this in two ways. The first thing in terms of financial was they did this on a corporate level. Um, we see in chapter 4, verse 33, it says, with great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus and God's grace was so powerfully at work on them all that there was no needy persons among them. From time to time, those who owned land or houses sold them and brought the money from the sales and put it at the apostles' feet. That's a, that's a picture of corporate giving. Giving to, in, in the form of laying it at the apostles' feet or giving it uh, to, for the leadership to have at their disposal. So they gave that way. We're told in chapter 6, verse 1, 
that there was another way that the church was ministering and they were sharing with each other. In those days when the number of disciples was increasing, the Hellenistic Jews among them complained against the Hebraic Jews because their widows were being overlooked in their daily distribution of food. What does that mean? That means they were taking care of the widows that had need, both the Jewish Christians and the Greek Christians that had come to know Christ. And so the church was active in sharing. Uh, how many times do we see on, an, 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 you know, on a corporate basis? And then individually, the same thing was happening. Outside of the corporate body of Christ, the church itself at that time, we're told in chapter 2, verse 45, that anyone that had need was taken care of. Anyone that had need. Doesn't say what kind of need, said it was taken care of. And then the second thing that we just read again Think about what this would be like in the body of Christ today. There were no needy persons among them. No needy persons among them. The body was taking care of itself, of each other. It was functioning and it was sharing in the way that God had intended them to do. They shared what they had with the community of faith. And, and I, I think it's no accident that that's part of the reason that they, that they were held in such high esteem among the rest of the people in the society. Because not only were they proclaiming this message of Jesus Christ, but they were living it out. They were sharing and they were being open with each other and and sharing what they had and recognizing what they had as being a gift from God. And that carried a tremendous amount of weight and influence within the community as a whole. So what does that look like for us today? What does that look like for us at Sunrise Church? The first thing that we have to recognize is that these two things are foundational to a church. We talked about the Word of God being foundational. Absolutely. We have to be taking that in individually. We have to be proclaiming that as a church. But these two things are activities in which the Spirit uses and there is spiritual power demonstrated when the body does these two things together. And consequently, these two things have been a source, have been a spiritual battleground from the very beginning of the church. Satan knows that when the church meets together and the church shares together, that there's power. That God uses that. That there's God's power is on display. And it carries influence within the community and within the community as a whole. And so it's a battleground because of that fact. And if you think about it, interspersed in the book of Acts, in these passages that we've read so far, at the outset, they enjoyed the favor of everybody. Everybody enjoyed them. Everybody liked what they were doing. They were held in high esteem. But by the time you get to chapter 6 and 7 of the book of Acts, what happened? Persecution broke out. Persecution broke out. Why? Because being together is a way that God grows and honors His body, the body of Christ. And so this persecution, the first persecution, came on behalf of the Jewish leaders because they didn't like the competition for the Jewish faith and now the newfound Christian faith. And so they tried to make it so that they could no longer meet together. And we're told that the church was scattered to all the different regions around the Roman world. What did God do? He took that scattering and he used that to spread the gospel. And those believers that were scattered for fear of their lives, each of them began to share in the place that God had landed them, and new churches sprung up. And so there's power in the church meeting together. It's no different today. 
Are we devoted to the community of faith? Not only for Sunrise Corporate, but for the kingdom of God. Are we devoted? Is that in the forefront of our focus? Is that important to us? Do we see that as being meaningful as we minister to our community and as we minister to our friends? What about the meeting together? Are we devoted to being together in 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 a corporate sense? Hebrews chapter 10, verses 23 through 25 tells us this. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. Not giving up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. In the worship service this morning, they mentioned the verse that the promise that where two or three are gathered, Jesus said, there I am in their midst. There's power, there's influence, spiritual influence when we're together. Ecclesiastes 4 verses 9 through 12 tells us this, two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up. But but pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. Also, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not quickly broken. We need to be devoted to meeting together. To meeting together. You you look at the, the pictures in the animal kingdom when... An animal is attacked by a wild animal. Why is that? Or when does that occur? When they've been separated from the herd. That's when we're vulnerable. When we're by ourselves. And if you look at what we have been through over the past four to five months. And and the fact that we could not meet together. And we could not. That's the devil's workshop. When we can't get together. And we don't have a priority of meeting together and being together. God designed us for community. So that we can encourage each other. So that we could carry each other's burdens. So that we could lift each other up. So that we could pray for each other. That was God's intention. And there's power when that occurs. We need it for inspiration. How many times within the body of Christ do we get together in a small group and we, get to be, we start sharing our lives with each other and come to find out there's somebody else that has walked in that same path that we have. And God's walked them through it. And they can be a source of encouragement and inspiration to me or to one of us because God has already brought them through. So meeting together is a powerful and significant thing for the body of Christ. What about small gatherings? It's fun and it's enjoyable when we can all get together and and fill the rendezvous center or fill a space, but we can't always do that. Small gatherings, I believe, are as important or more important in our day and age than they were even for the early church. Think about how the ministry of Sunrise Church would have been different come the middle of March if every one of us had been committed to a small life group. And where we could not meet together corporately and yet every single person was involved with a small community of believers in which church could continue to take place. The Word of God could be teached taught, people could be encouraged, you could pray together, you could do life together. It would have changed a lot of the way, the effectiveness of of the church. 
We have life groups in our church, and, and we're going to continue an emphasis on that going into the fall. And we want to encourage you to be a part of a life group. It, it's my goal that every single person that calls Sunrise Church home is connected in some way to a small group. Whether that's the formality of a life group or whether that's just a small community of faith in which you don't meet together, but you text and you call and you communicate and you take care of each other. That's the body of Christ. That's what God wants. That's, that's where the power of God is made manifest. When we meet together, being strong through being small. I believe that that, that is going to be so important for the church going forward. I, I personally believe that, that what we're experienced over the last few months is going to happen again. It's going to happen again. And I believe that as the church, we need to spend as much time or more time focusing on being together in smaller groups as we do having a big production and a big service once a week where we can all come together. We need to be attached. We need to be devoted to meeting in a small group of believers. We need to be connected. What about having everything in common? If you've been around me very often or very long, you'll know that, that I have uh, the three T's that I talk about what we can share. And when it says that the early church had everything in common, I believe that means they shared their time, their talent, and their treasure. Those three things. If God has given it to me, I should be devoted to sharing that with the body of Christ as people have need and as God prompts me to do so. What about time? How do I share my time? Meeting together, calling somebody to encourage them, conversations. Uh, we talk about um, in staff meeting a lot of times divine, divine appointments, opportunities that God gives us to just meet with somebody. Maybe we weren't planning on it, but we have moments to, to talk and to share, and God puts somebody in our path. That's a commitment of time, a commitment of time to minister. Texting, all the different ways that we communicate. You know, I was thinking this week, what if I made the commitment to not the time that I would normally spend on Facebook communicating with friends or watching TV, if I made the commitment to have a personal connection with somebody in that same period of time? How would that change my ministry and my influence? Because like it or not, Facebook has a place and it's good to stay connected with people, especially long ways away, but it's not the same as sitting down across a table with a cup of coffee or sharing a meal together or doing life together in a small group. It's not the same. And, and, and just as we, this spring when we had to go to an online format and we, we could have fellowship with our family, the, the service that was presented as I listened to people and heard from people, it was the time together as a family or friends as they got together and watched the service together that was the most meaningful. The electronic communication was okay. It facilitated that, but it was the one-on-one -on -one relationship building time that you could spend together as you watched that. What about our talents? The gifts and abilities that God has given us. That's talking about, to me, the, it talk, that's talking about spiritual gifts, but it's also talking about talents. I mean, we have, we have men within our church that, that are great at carpentry or electronics or all those kinds of things because of their training or, or different ways that God has, has enabled them. But we have ladies the same way that have gifts in, in sewing or cooking or communicating just with, with those around them. 
Are we using, am I using my gifts and the talents that God has given me in order to minister to the fellowship, the body of Christ? And finally, the treasure, our finances. One thing you learn in the banking industry is that finances are personal. The way I hold my finances talks, tells a lot about my relationship with God. That's a, I don't want to admit that, but that's the way it is. We're told in, in those verses that we looked at this morning that they were open and generous to share with whoever had need. And so as God tells you or spurs you or leads you, we need to be sharing our treasure, our finances. What would God have me share with the body? I personally believe that within each body of believers that God has placed within that body the time, talent, and treasure to do the ministry and the mission that he's given us to do. And so the things that the Sunrise Church is going to do and the way God leads us in the months to come, I believe that the gifts and the finances and the time is already here. God has placed people within the body to do that. And as we're rebuilding and coming into the fall and, and kind of ramping back up our ministries, now's an awesome time to, to reach out and say, I want to be involved. I want to do something. God's gifted me with this, or God's given me time to do this, or God's shown me that I need to be involved. It's a great time. And it's not about me telling you, you need to do this. It's about God saying and laying on your heart, would you walk in obedience and, and give it a try? Reach out and minister and share with the body. I realize that it's hard. It's hard. The time pressures, the financial pressures that we all live with, it's somewhat different than the Bible times just because of the hecticness of our society. And yet, I can share with you my testimony of what God has done as through the years since Bobby and I have been married, that we have sought to be faithful in sharing what God has given us with those around us. I learned early on a lesson in college that when you're willing to give time for some ministry, that God multiplies the time that you have left in the same way that he multiplies the 90% that you have left after you give your tithe. Exactly the same way. I remember I had, I had the one vehicle in, at college in Minnesota for about four or five kids that were going there from, from Torrington. And I was studying for a final exam, one that I had probably been neglectful in studying for up to that point. And it was really, really important that I have this afternoon and this block of time that I could really study and focus because the final was the next day. And I got a phone call from one of my friends that needed a ride across town. It was a legitimate need. And so I wrestled with that. And I thought, you know, I really need this time to get done with what I need to study here. And after all, I'm studying the Bible, you know. It's Bible college, so it's pretty important. But I felt like I needed to do that, to invest time. And so I did that. And it was amazing to me that the time I had left to study was the most productive study time that I had had. I only had about a third as much time as I had planned but God took the time that I had left and he multiplied that back to where I had time to get done everything that I need to get done. 
I remember another time when I was farming and, and our church was without a pastor and I was on the leadership team and, and I got a phone call that there was a, a family in our church whose, whose son had been in, injured in a, in a horseback accident and he was in the hospital in Scotts Bluff and, and things were not going very well and, and the family had requested somebody to come and, and visit and pray with them. It was the last week of June on a farm. And I was trying to get gated pipe ready to put out and try to get ramped up to, um, to start irrigating. And you know how, if you've been involved in agriculture, what that time of, of year is like. But I knew I had to go. And so I went. And the same way, God multiplied the time that I had left and everything got done in a timely manner. When we're willing to share what God has given us, He multiplies that back. What about our talent? In 2 Timothy chapter 1, we see these words Paul wrote to Timothy. For this reason I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For the spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. God wants us to fan into flames the gifts of the spiritual gifts that he's given us. And the only way that that can occur is if we use them. If we use them by the Spirit's power to minister to the body and to minister to those people around us. Fan into flame the gift that God has given you. And finally, our treasure. Throughout the years that Bobby and I have been married, we have committed to, to tithing to the church. Wasn't always easy. Wasn't always really sure where the rest of the money was going to come from to make the bills. But I can say we've always had enough. God's taken care of our needs. And you know, I, I've noticed, especially when I was farming, you know, we think if, if, if I give this money to God, then, then he's going to have to give some money back to take place, take care of it. I can give you testimony after testimony of times when I was farming in which God multiplied back my tithe in, in, the, in the nature of fewer problems or fewer repairs or fewer difficulties. That's how the money was saved. I, I remember one time just so vividly that we were in the middle of corn harvest and we were combining corn and I mean it was a hectic time, get the crops in, do all those things. And my dad was running a combine and as he was going down through the field, he happened to look over to the gauges and he watched the oil pressure gauge go down to zero. He immediately shut the engine off. The result was we didn't have a replace the engine in the combine. The intake, the intake spout broke off the oil pump in the in the crankcase of the of the of the combine, and Dad just happened to notice that occur, and consequently we didn't have to put an engine in the combine. It was just a matter of an oil pump. Time after time after time can give testimony to as we share those things that God has given to us, that God multiplies those back in ways that we, can, we can't even imagine. Am I devoted to the fellowship? And I've devoted to my brothers and sisters in Christ. The last four or five months with the COVID and, and everything that's gone on around that has made it difficult. And yet for the church, for me individually, is that an excuse or do I see that as an opportunity? 
For the first time in recent memory, everybody in society has in common this one thing that isn't dominating their life. And we have hope, we have freedom from fear, we have all the things that are ours within the body of Christ because of our relationship with Jesus Christ to share with those that don't have that. An instant opportunity to have a conversation with anybody that we want that we come in contact with. Am I devoted to the fellowship, to loving my brothers and sisters in Christ? Jesus said to his disciples in John chapter 13, A new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this everyone will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. And then John in his later writings, 1 John chapter 3, Verses 16 through 18. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but rather with actions or in truth. Am I devoted to the fellowship? Am I devoted to this, to the ministry of the church, the the body that God has put in place to proclaim his message here in this age of grace? Am I committed to meeting together, to being with other brothers and sisters in Christ? Am I committed to sharing those things which God has given me to share, to make those available for God to use, knowing that God will honor those sacrifices and he will multiply back that which we give to others in his name and for his purpose. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for this morning. And it's my prayer that for each one of us, that you would just put on our hearts those things which you want us to change. Whether it's a commitment to meeting together, whether it's a commitment to exercise hospitality and and share our homes with, with those that are within the body of Christ. Or maybe it's a commitment to give or present one of the three T's to you. A commitment of time, a commitment of our gifts, our talents, or a commitment of our treasure. I believe, Father, that if you put on our hearts and we walk in obedience, the Sunrise Church will have a place of powerful influence within our community. Because you who promised are faithful. Thank you, Father, for our time together in your word. May we be devoted to the fellowship that you've given to us. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen.
will not bow to sin or to shame. We are defiant in your name. You are the fire that cannot be tamed. You are the power in our veins, our Lord, our God, our